Our topic this evening is an important one. It goes right along with the theme we've been looking at out of Genesis. This one, kind of out of Genesis chapter 3, or at least that's a lot of the springboard for it. Why do we do what we do? Why do weeds grow easier than food? And why is it easier to sin than to be good? Those are important questions. And they apply to our lives today. And the answer can be found in the Bible. And only in the Bible. There's no other place in the world that you'll be able to find an answer to these questions. There's no other religion in the world that has the answer to these questions. So where should we go? To the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw everything he had made, and it was very good. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So we went from, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, from everything being very good, and no shame, and able to be unashamed. What a great place to be. And we went from that to what we experience today. And this is a little bit of what it is like today. From Genesis 2 to not ashamed to Genesis 3 and after the fall, and now we are proud, boastful, with no shame, in denial, we're gluttonous, weak, cowardly, hateful, jealous, contentious, selfish, lying, envious, immodest, homosexual, rebellious, bigoted, prejudiced, thieving, inhaling smoke, drinking poisons, alcohol, carbon dioxide, fruit, uh, sugar, fruit-flavored drinks, packaged fake foods, no manual labor, fake flowers, piercings, tattoos, crowded housing, large cities, pollution, virtual friends, and virtual worship. Right? That's even just a small description of today. And that describes all of us, right? Not just someone else. That's us. Now, does any of that Paint a picture of what you envisioned what it was like in the Garden of Eden. Right? Was any of that in the Garden of Eden? No. Is that what you picture heaven being like? No. Right? But that is what we experience today. So how do we go from Garden of Eden to this? And how are we going to go from this to heaven? And that's our topic for today. So we have today, we have where we put real lemons in dishwashing detergent, and lemon flavor in cough drops. So the dishes are doing better than we are in getting vitamins and nutrition. We put into our bodies stuff like this, monster-juiced energy drink on the side of the camera. It says mango logo. There's probably not a mango in there, right? And. Uh, it's, uh, it's got skeletons on the can, right? So we're wishing death upon ourselves. And I don't know if you can see it down the bottom in the middle. There's a heart with a sword through it. So they're basically telling you, this stuff will kill you. <laughs> right? And we're selling it in the stores. This is poison. And then even the water we, they sell us now. Look at the water in the middle. This is a, you know, this, this flavored water by Nestle. Right? Splash lemon ingredients. These are the ingredients. Purified water. Well, good thing they purified the water. So it's good, you know, that we want pure water. So they give us pure water, and in addition to the pure water, natural flavors, citric acid, sodium, potassium, uh, phosphate, potassium sorbate, potassium, whatever, sugar, sugar, you know, all this stuff. Well, what is this stuff? Each natural flavor may contain up to a hundred ingredients. We think natural flavor. Well, then it's got to be good, right? It's natural. Well, natural means anything that's not natural. It can be beaver guts. 
It can be beaver urine. You know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's natural. It's a natural flavor that they put in there. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's any good for you at all. And it's, uh, the natural flavors are proprietary. That means they don't have to tell you what are the 100 ingredients or 90 ingredients that they put into those natural flavors. They don't have to reveal that. And the natural flavors are designed to be addictive so that you will want more of their product. That's the purpose of the natural flavors. It's not to put some vitamins in there and to put some natural, healthy stuff in there. It's only to be able to put that word natural flavor on there and to make it addictive. Then the citric acid. Well, citric acid sounds good, right? What do you think of citric acid? What do you think of citrus? Citric, when you think of that word, right? Orange, lemon, right? grapefruit. No, 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 no. Citric acid are usually derived from mold made with GMO corn. That's the citric acid in these drinks. And then this bottom one is calcium disodium, EDTA, is made from formaldehyde, sodium cyanide, and something else I can't pronounce. <laughs> And that's in the water, that's in the bottle, that we pay for when we're getting a little bit of flavor in the water. Unbelievable. They put salt in the water. Do you imagine drinking salt water? They put salt in the water so you want it more. The sodiums and potassiums in there is to make you want more water. It's salt in the water. Would you go down to the ocean and drink some salt water? That's what they're putting in this stuff. And there's the iced water, sparkling, blackberry-flavored water. It's carbonated water. Well, carbon is carbonated. You know what they had to put into that water to make it carbonated? To make it carbonated. What do they put into it? CO2. Right, CO2. And everyone in the world, oh, CO2 is destroying the planet. The planet's going to get blow up because there's too much CO2. Oh, no, 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 CO2. No more CO2. And we're taking CO2 and we're putting it into the water. Now, where, where does CO2 come from a lot? Where does a lot of CO2 come from? Not from the plants. From us. We breathe it out. It's our exhaust, right? We're breathing out CO2 every second of our lives. Even when you're asleep, if you're in a coma, doesn't matter. Your body is expelling CO2. Why is your body expelling CO2 all the time? Because it's a poison. <laughs> it's a poison in our body, and our body doesn't want it, and so it gets rid of it. Now, the plants love it. The plants are eating that in. So you want to grow plants, have more CO2. Right? So, so you're pouring out CO2 because it's a poison, naturally. And then we take it, and we shove it into the water, and we shove it down our throats. That's a great idea. Let's take this poison our body is trying to get rid of and shove it down our throats. That's what we're doing with carbonated water. And it also has that calcium to sodium EDT, that formaldehyde and sodium cyanide. And then Tang, Tang instant breakfast drink, you know, it's the orange label, oh, it's got to be orange. There's no natural orange any in there. <laughs> There's no orange in there. It's, uh, it's citric acid again, sodium citrate to sugar, uh, natural flavors again, and artificial flavors. And yellow number five, that's got to be good. A yellow, wow, yeah, five yellow, yellow number five. And if that's not good enough, it also has yellow number six in it, you know? Oh, terrific. We got two different yellows in there. And this is the tough, and this is being sold by Kraft, Heinz, Coca-Cola, uh, Nestle, right? All these companies making all this money feeding us poisons. And again, this is not a health talk, but this is to show how far we've gone from eating from the tree of life, in the Garden of Eden, drinking from the rivers that God and the springs that God provided, to poisoning ourselves and, being, and paying for it to do so. The angels must look down and weep. They must look at us and go, what on earth are they doing? This is craziness.
These are the people who are going to be in heaven with us? Absolute madness. So why do we do this? Why do we do these things? Well, the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. All right? Does that sound like us? Hey, we want to do good, but then we don't do it. Right? We don't want to do bad, and then we do it. Why do we do what we do? Why is it easier to do bad stuff than it is to do good stuff? Because of the fall. This is why. This is a picture in New York City. In this text from Matthew 25, verse 40, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Now you look at that picture, there is nothing there that resembles the Garden of Eden at all. <laughs> right? There's not even a weed growing there. There's nothing green, there's nothing naturally green there at all. Right? Even naturally green, right? <laughs> green summer. But there's nothing, even the air is nothing like the Garden of Eden there, right? Uh, the buildings are so high that the sun hardly reaches the street, maybe for a couple hours. That's it, like being between two mountains. Just block shade, and then it's there, and then it's shade on the other side. And driving there, so the lights are green here, right? This particular traffic light, this particular moment. But the cars here, they can't even go forward because there's all these cars in the intersection going in the other direction. So even if they had the green light, they can't go. And even if they didn't have people in the intersection, there's cars in front of them on the street in front of it, so they can't go forward anyway. They did head forward, now they'd be stuck in the intersection. And so I was in this situation just like this. It looked just like this. I was working in New York City, and I was in a big vehicle. It was a transformed recreational vehicle, so that size. And uh, we used it for uh, taking blood pressure screenings and free screenings and sharing food with the homeless and other community service ministries. And so I was in this type of traffic jam just like that, and I was high up just like that. And at this stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, and you can see there the cars are just inches apart. Right, maybe maximum two feet apart. Right, you can see that in the picture. That's, that's how it was. Right? So maybe two feet apart. I've got no engine in front of me. The engine is underneath. And so I'm right there, right in the front. So I can hardly see down. There's this window in front of me. And I got my foot on the brake. And the light was red. And the light turned green. And the car is in front of me. Lurched forward a little bit. And so I went to take my foot off the brake. And just as I was pulling my foot off, at the corner of my eye, I saw a head, just the top of the head. I didn't see a face, I didn't see ears, I didn't see eyes, I didn't see anything. Just the top of the head, just saw some hair. And I jammed back down on the brake. And my heart just stumped, and this person walked right between me and the vehicle in front of me. And my first thoughts were just anger at this person. This person, I've, I, I would have hit him if I didn't see him, if I was looking at the light, if I was distracted over here or looking down the road or, or at anything else and didn't see that person. A second later, I would have bumped him, hit him, could have rolled over him, could have squeezed him in the car in front of me. I would have lost my job, lost my driver's license and ruined my life and maybe be uh, counted murder, maybe sued. All because this jerk jaywalked right in front of me without even thinking he's walking in front of this big, huge vehicle. And I thought, he'd deserve it. I think it would have been good for him to teach him a lesson. <laughs> I had every right to run him over. Wouldn't have been my fault, it's his fault. How dare they threaten to think, even think about suing me on this or giving me a ticket for this. I felt totally justified if I would have run him over. And then later on that day, I thought of this text. What you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me. 
and the thoughts and attitudes that I had towards that person, I had towards Yeshua. Because this person was the least of them, that's for sure, <laughs> in my mind. And that's how then I was thinking about Yeshua. I was willing to murder Yeshua and kill, him, kill the Messiah. And as we've talked in the last few weeks, all have sinned, and when we sin, we've killed God. Thus, we are all killers of God. This is how low we have fallen since everything good and unashamed. And as we just read, in my flesh, no good thing dwells. I'm carnal, sold under sin. And this is why we do what we do, because of the fall. Because we've been sold out, originally created in God's image, sold out to the devil, taken on the image of Adam after the fall. We're now born with a carnal nature, with carnal desires, where it's easier to do evil than to do good. It's easier for weeds to grow than for grass to grow. Right? You can go, you can have a beautiful lawn and all previous owner had it and they had it immaculate and they had this grass growing and no weeds and you go and you don't keep it up or you decide I'm going to plant something in this little area so you put some weed killer in the one area so it'll become bare and so you can plant your stuff there and what will grow back? The grass that was there before? the weeds will grow back. <laughs> They'll grow faster than anything. And we've been attacking weeds for decades, right? And they're not getting less, they're getting more. So we're not evolving to a better state, right? If we were evolving to a better state, we'd have less weeds than more weeds. We'd have less mosquitoes than more mosquitoes, right? We've been trying to kill mosquitoes forever. Right? And they're just multiplying. You know, and cockroaches. You know, they've done some bombs, you know, testing of bombs, nuclear, you know, where they bomb an area to see what happens with the nuclear uh, explosion. And the only thing that survives it are cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, cockroaches. We can't kill these things. Why? Why can't we get rid of poison ivy? Why, is, why do we have these problems? Now, all these years later, 6,000 years later, you know, in the evolutionists say we've been here for billions of years. And things are getting better and we're evolving to a better state. Well, if we've been here for billions of years and we're evolving to a better state, then why do we have poison ivy? <laughs> why do we have weeds? Why do we have cockroaches? Why do we have mosquitoes? Why do we have red ants? Right? Why didn't some good ant evolve that gets rid of the bad ants or something else or an anteater that eats all the red ants, right? You know? We're not evolving to a better state. We're getting worse and worse and worse. And the only place you'll find the answer to that is Genesis chapter 3. The fall explains why it's easier for us to do wrong, even when we want to do right. Why it's easier for weeds to grow. Why bad things happen to good people. Why we have problems in this world. Because we're no longer in the Garden of Eden, and we're not in heaven yet. We're here on this fallen planet with carnal natures that have a natural tendency to do what is wrong. And that's the problem. And that's what the Bible says. But the Bible also tells us a solution. It doesn't just leave us there in this despicable state of mind. It tells us how to get out of this and how to get back to the Garden of Eden, how to get to new heavens and new earth. Romans 7, verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thank God, through Yeshua, Messiah, our Lord. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. 
So we're in a despicable state. Oh, we want to do good. We have this law. We have this battle going on. This great controversy in our mind, wanting to do the law of God, wanting to do what's right. But then we get another law, the law of sin, and it's pulling against us. And we're battling, and we're in this battle. Who can help me in this battle? Who can win this battle? Who can give me victory in this battle? The Lord Messiah. Praise Him. Right? So there is a solution. So here Paul aptly describes our state of mind in our lives and how to come out of it. Who can help us? Yeshua, our Messiah, our Lord, is able to help us. When Paul writes, he talks about law different ways. The law in my members, the law in my mind, uh, but then the law of sin. First to this law of sin. And people think the solution is to get rid of God's law. Get rid of the Ten Commandments, and that's the solution. That's not the solution. It's getting rid of the law of sin. So how do we get rid of the law of sin that is in our members? That's where we go next. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were immersed into Messiah Yeshua were immersed into his death? So how do we deal with this law of sin that is in our members? This natural tendency to sin? This, like the law of gravity, right? You throw something up in the air, it comes down. We're born with the law of sin in our members. Our natural tendency is to sin. That's the law of humans, to go out and sin. That's our natural law from birth. That's why a little baby will be sinning from the moment they're conceived. As we talked about, you put three babies or two babies in a, in a playpen with one toy and you're going to have a battle. Right? That's natural. That's our natural tendency. The law of sin is there within us. And so the, how to get rid of the law of sin? What's the only way to get rid of the law of sin? To die. We have to die. You can't improve it. You can't modify it. You can't fix it. you got to destroy it. And it's part of us, and we need to be destroyed. We need to kill it. That's the only solution. So how do we die? How shall we who die to sin? What tense is that? Past tense. Do you not know? In other words, we should know this. Do you not know that we were immersed into his death? What tense is that? Past tense. Verse 4, Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through immersion into death, that just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So again, therefore we were buried with him into death. What tense? We were buried past tense. And we were buried with him... When was he buried? When did he die? Longer than that. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So before God even created Adam and Eve, he knew what was going to happen and he put in place, in his mind, even though it didn't physically happen until 2,000 years ago, as far as God's concerned, it was from the beginning that he would die and we would die in him. We were buried with him into death. And because we were in him in death, and if we unite with him, then we shall also come out of death and walk in newness of life. And if we're in the likeness of his death, if we died with him, then we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection and experience a new life. To be born anew. Romans 6, verse 6, 
knowing this, no, no, you're not, know this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Amen? Amen. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Some people think that Paul was talking about his father. He wasn't talking about his old man, his father. He's talking about his old man, his nature. His carnal nature, our nature was. What tense is that? Our old man was crucified with him. Past tense. Before we were even born, we were dead. Before we were even born, we were crucified with him. Know this. This is what it means to believe. It's not just believe, oh, that Yeshua came 2,000 years ago, and oh, Yeshua died for my sins. It's more than that. It's believing that we were in him, and that we died in him. He died for our sins. What does that mean? Give me a sin. Someone give me a sin. Lying? No, that's, that's, that's a... Murder? No, that's, a, that's an event. Give me a sin. Gluttony? That's still, a, that's still an event. That's something you did. Give it to me. Give me, give me a gluttony. Give me a murder. Give me a lie. Blasphemy? Those are still just verbs. Those are verbs. Hand me something. Sin is an action. Sin is something we did. Sin is something we thought. It's a verb. You can't give a verb away. You can only give a noun away. So when we say he died for our sins, we can't give him these verbs. We can't just give him these words. The sins are us. We are murderers. We are liars. We are gluttonous. We are sinful. So he took not just our, this imaginary sins. He took you. He took me into himself. And that's what killed him. You can't separate yourself from the, your history. You can't separate yourself from your verbs. You can't separate yourself. We, oh, that's us. It's on our records. It's part of our lives. The things that we did, the things that we thought. So we can't just give that to him and then still remain alive. He took us and killed us in himself in order to kill the law of sin that is within our members. We were crucified with him. Know this. Know this. Understand this. Believe this. Doesn't make sense naturally, as Nicodemus said. How can I be born again? It's not logical. It's by faith. We believe by faith we died in him. And thus, whatever we were in him, this in-Messiah motif, we were in him. And thus, whatever happened to him, happened to us. We're in him. He died. We died. And thus, we're dead. For he who has died has been freed from sin. We're set free from sin. If we're dead, if we accept by faith that we died in him, then the law of sin that was in our natural members is dead. And then we're set free from sin. What does it mean to be free from sin? Born again? But what does it mean? What does it mean practically to be born, I mean to be uh, freed from sin? Freed from selfishness? Okay. Salvation, yes. He says free from sin what does that mean? We're redeemed. We're free from what? Free from the flesh, free from ourselves. Good. So we're free from sin. Not just sin, we're free from sinning. Exactly. The actions. We're free from sinning. If we're free from sin, then we will no longer sin. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from sinning. Can a dead person sin? No. If we really believe, as it says, know this, do you not know this? 
that you were crucified with him. Your old man was crucified with him. If we know this, that we are dead, then we can't sin. Dead person can't sin. Can this person lust? Can this person lie? Can this person murder? Yeah, can this person have COVID? Can he breathe COVID on you? Can you breathe Right? If we're dead, we can't sin. This is what Paul's saying. Know that you're dead in Messiah. You died in him. Thus you're freed from sinning. And you can't hurt a dead person either. Right? Can you hurt this person? Can you get this person sick? Right? If you punch this person, is it going to hurt? No. If you say, oh, you look ugly today. Is that going to hurt this person? You say, I never really loved you. I never really liked you anyway. Is that going to hurt this person? You go, you're fired. Is that going to hurt this person? Not at all. And when we believe that we are dead in Messiah, it won't matter what anyone else says. It won't matter what anyone else does because they're doing it to a dead person. You're not doing it to me. It doesn't matter. I'm dead. Can't hurt a dead person. And if we believe what the scriptures say, say that we died in Messiah, we won't be hurt. It won't offend us. It won't bother us. It doesn't really matter. You're just passing through this place anyway. So what, you don't like me? So what, you don't care? So what, you lied to me? So what, what's the difference? It doesn't really matter anyway. We're dead in the flesh. When we believe that, it won't hurt, it won't matter, and we'll just be able to go on with life. Now, Satan will keep trying, and he'll get a bigger sword every time. <laughs> but if we believe by faith we are dead in Messiah, it won't hurt us. And we'll be set free from sin and sinning. And the effects of sin upon us. Romans 6, verse 8. If we died with Messiah, we believe that we shall also live with him. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God and Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust, but uh, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So again, if we died with Messiah, past tense, then we believe, it takes faith, believe, and we'll also live with him. So if we're in him, we experience what he experienced. He died, we died. He came to newness of life, we will have a new life. Reckon yourselves, verse 11 there, reckon yourselves. That word reckon, right? Like an accountant, reckoning in the books. Right? Now, can a, an accountant just go, oh, you know, the figure, the, the numbers aren't coming out right. Well, I'll just raise this three and I'll make it a five and then that'll be okay. Can they do that? <laughs> Legally, right? No. So, is God suggesting we make pretend just to reckon that we're dead, but it's really not reality, just, you know, erase that and, and put it down there and reckon it? No. He's saying this is reality. Know this. Know you not. Reckon this. Account it. It's true, it's verified, it's provable, it's data, it's accurate, it's fact. Reckon it as accurate. Reckon it as true. Count it as true. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. This is the struggle of faith. Believing that we're dead. But we look in the mirror, we look alive. We feel, we get these feelings, oh, that felt like it hurt. Oh, no, they said that. No, I feel so bad. No, they did that. No, it hurt so much. And how dare they do that after all I've done for them? And it feels painful. But if we believe by faith they're doing it to a dead person, it doesn't matter. And I'm alive in Messiah, and so really what they're doing to me, they're not really doing it to me. They're doing it to him. Exactly. Not me they're hurting, it's him they're hurting. And then you're out of the equation. And it doesn't have to hurt you at all. And then we can have pity on them because if they're doing that to God, man, it's not going to go well for them. 
Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. That the power of sin does not have to have, the law of sin does not have to have dominion over us anymore. We're set free from it. Free from the devil, free from his lies, free from his control. When Adam and Eve sinned, they put us under the control of the devil. When we believe that we died in Yeshua, we're set free from that. Right? If you make a contract with someone and you die, what happens to that contract? It's null and void. Right? Yeah. Right? I can make a contract with you that you can rent my house you know, for the next 10 years. And I die next year, and those who inherit my house or get my house, are they obligated to let you stay there for the next eight years? No. Because the one you made the contract with is dead. We made a contract with the devil. Adam and Eve made a contract with the devil, and all of us have followed suit because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when we believe by faith we died in Messiah, we are free from that contract. Devil, you have no right over me anymore. I am dead, and you have to deal with the new owner, and that's Yeshua. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. You deal with him. I'm out of here. This is what he's talking about. Believe by faith. You're dead, but alive to God in Yeshua, our Lord. Therefore, we don't have to have sin reign over us anymore. Now, in the here and now, in this mortal body, we don't have to present ourselves as instruments to Satan anymore to do his biddings, to continually fall. But no, we're now instruments of God. God, use me. And God is then able to work in us and through us for his honor and glory. Makes all the difference in the world. We can keep on trying to do it in our own strength and try to evolve and try to be better and next time make a promise and, and, and try, I'm going to do better next time. I'll be on time next time. I'll do better next time. I'll remember next time. In our own strength, we will not be able to do anything. But when we're dead and alive in him and him in us, makes all the difference in the world. Romans 6, verse 14. For if sin... Uh, for, sorry, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Yes. For just as you presented your members as slaves of unrighteousness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Amen? Yes. Now, wonderful. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over us anymore. Sin, Satan, sinning, those habits, no dominion over us anymore. Those attractions, those desires, those feelings don't have power over us anymore. We're free. We've been liberated. We've been set free from it. Because the old man is dead. And a new life has come upon us. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from sinning. We don't have to sin. Now, when we're talking about sin, we're talking about known. I know it's wrong. I'm choosing to do it. I'm rebelliously do it, doing it. I know God's word says this, and I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Right? There is no reason that a believer in God, with God's power, with the Holy Spirit, should knowingly, consciously, rebelliously, continuously disobeying God. So I'm not talking about you know, the slip-up, the occasional, the caught-off-guard. But talking about sin, known sin, cherished sin, rebellious sin, there is no reason. We are set free from that. We are free from sin. Been set free from this. In the here and now. So now present your members as like, not in the, oh, well, when I go to heaven, then I'll, all of a sudden I'll be good. No, now God was setting us free. Now present your members as slaves of righteousness to holiness. Here and now, in this earth, alive in Yeshua now. Freed from sin now. Right? I mean, all people stop smoking eventually. Right? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about experiencing God's power now. Victory now. Transformed now, born again now. Dying, accepting our death, 
now, that he already did, that already happened. We think we have to kill ourselves. Oh, I have to kill the flesh. I have to crucify the flesh. Can you crucify yourself? Can someone crucify themselves? I mean, can you picture that, right? You, know, you get a nail, and you, and you nail your feet, right? And then you hold the nail, and you nail that one in. You know, and then you're stuck, right? You know, so you, you can't crucify yourself. We can try, oh, I'm going to beat the flesh, and oh, I'm going to fast, and oh, I'm going to crawl up steps, and oh, I'm going to make penance, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make promises. You can't kill yourself. Stop trying. You'll kill yourself trying. Except by faith. You're already dead. <laughs> you don't have to kill yourself. You died in Messiah. He already died for us. And if we believe his word and say, Lord, by faith, I accept that. I believe that. Your word says that. I reckon it. I now know it. And I choose to believe it. I am dead in you. Praise God. I'm free now. And then come and live inside this empty vessel and make it new and live in me. That's the key. That's the key. Not trying harder. Believing more. Surrendering more. Doing less. Dying. And giving up. Romans 6.20 For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which are, you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have the fruit of holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. And often when we quote that text, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in the here and after. You know, that those who die in sin will die for eternity and those who are alive in Messiah will live for eternity. But it says, but now, now, the wages of sin is death. And we've all paid those wages. So we all deserve death, so we can all accept our death. And Yeshua already paid that price for us, so we can accept our death in him. Now, we are set free from sin. Now. Not in the future, not in heaven. Now. Set free and become slaves of righteousness. And then we don't have to any longer be ashamed of unrighteousness. Because we're free from it. No longer slaves of the devil. Romans 8, chapter 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. If the Messiah is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. If God dwells in you, God will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. What's the biggest word there in that in. slide? The biggest word is in. <laughs> That's right. It's over and over and over again. Us in the Messiah, and now Messiah in us. Yeah. And it makes all the difference. Carnal mind is enmity against God. We've looked at that before, right? We are born with hatred to God. We are born against God. We are born resistant to God. We're born resistant to his laws. That's why, again, it's not natural to want to pray. It's not natural to want to go to services. It's not natural to want to read the Bible. In our flesh, in our natural, that's how we're born normally. That's not normal. To love God. It's normal to hate God. That's normal for humans. So we're born, carnal mind. Hating God. That's why we need to die. And if we accept our death in him, then that carnal enmity to God is dead also. And then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but we're no longer in the flesh. The flesh is dead. The natural nature is dead in Messiah. We believe by faith. And if you don't have enough faith to believe that, God gave us a measure of faith, 
And then he says, if you lack faith, what should you do? Ask God and he will give more. Right? So we can't even boast, oh, I got faith. It's not ours. He started us off giving us a measure of faith, and they don't give us more if we need more. So that comes from him as well. Everything comes from him. So he did the dying for us. He did the gifting to us. But we're not in the flesh. We're in the Messiah, and Messiah is in you. And the spirit of life and God dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. And thus empowers us. Romans 8, verse 13. If you live by the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry, Abba, Father. We are the children of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. What does it mean to suffer with him? Mean to get a splinter? Mean to be insulted? Mean to be persecuted? Is that what it means to suffer with him? It means to die with him. To be crucified with him. He died. We're in him. He suffered in death. We suffered in death also. And if indeed we suffered with him, died with him, then we're free from sin and we're adopted by him and now we're his sons. And since he died for the sins of the world, how many died in him? Everyone. Everyone died in him. Everyone. And if we believe it, we receive the benefit of being dead. And that sin doesn't have dominion over us and we can't be hurt because we're dead. Those that believe it. But he did it for everyone. It's not something you have to go and earn. It's not something you have to go and get. He already did it. It's something we have to believe. What he did for us. And back at the top, verse 13. If you live by the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul uses this kind of theme over and over again in various of his different books. And we've looked at it in the past, where he talks about absent from the body, present with the Lord. In the context of that section, it's saying the exact same thing here. When you're no longer part of the flesh, you're present with the Lord. When you're no longer living by the flesh, if you're no longer living by self, if you're no longer living by the carnal nature, then we're living by God's grace. Not talking about death. Not talking about death here. You live by the flesh, you will die. Talking about living by the carnal nature, yeah, you will die. And the wages of sin is death. But death here is Messiah. And accepting that. And then life in Messiah, because Messiah rose, and we rise also, and experience a new life in him, and then become sons of God. Through adoption. And then become the children of God. Now, if we become sons of God through adoption, then whose sons and daughters were we before we were adopted by God? The evil one. That's the only other choice. And so Adam and Eve sold us out to the devil. We then became children of the devil. And that's why God had to come and redeem us and buy us back and adopt us back so that we can be children of God by faith. Another beautiful text, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Messiah, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Messiah who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you only were able to take one Bible text with you into solitary confinement or whatever, or you're getting dementia or whatever, and you can only remember one thing, this is the one to remember. It is one of the most powerful Bible texts in the world. It's got John 3.16 right in there. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's got Romans 6 and Romans 7, Romans 8 in here. I am crucified with Messiah. What tense is that? Past tense, I am, or present, right? I am crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. I'm standing here. How can I stand here if I was crucified with him? If I'm dead with him, how can I stand here? 
But it's not me. You're not looking at me. It's not me. I'm not here. I'm hidden away. I'm dead. I'm buried in the rock. I'm buried in the tomb. I'm hidden him. But the life I now live, I live by faith. It's by faith, not by feeling, not by sight. In the Son of God who loved me. He lives in me. Not me, him. I gave you the story the other day, him driving the car. Not us. We can do, without him we can do? Nothing. 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 So anything we are able to do that's good is him doing it. So it's not I, it's him. It's not us, it's him. And this is what this text says. And these others that we looked at. Let's look at some more. Colossians 1.27 Messiah in you, the hope of glory. Philippians 1.6 He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Yeshua the Messiah. Philippians 1.13 It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you which was in Messiah Yeshua. And while we can't do anything without him, how much can we do through him? All things. Right? I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. Him in us. So we get these two motifs. Us in God and we die in Him. Us in Messiah and we die in Him. And Him in us through the Holy Spirit and Him living out His life out of us. Now a lot of people just want the Messiah in us and don't want to die. Don't want to die to self. Don't want to die to flesh. Don't want to accept their death in Him. But it's both. That is the great hope. That is the great faith. He who began a good work. Who's the one who began the good work? Messiah. Not us. We didn't take the first step. Right? Adam and Eve, when they sinned, again, Genesis chapter 3. Where were we? Where were humanity when we sinned in Genesis chapter 3? Hiding in the bush. <laughs> and where was God? Coming after us. He who began the good work. He did the good work. He died for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He comes after us. He seeks us out. He who began the good work in you will complete it. He started it and he'll finish it. Justification and sanctification. The forgiving and the transforming. The mercy and the power. gives us the victory as well. The salvation for heaven and the salvation here and now. The victory over sin now. Saving us not only from the punishment of sin, but saving us from the power of sin here and now. Victorious in him. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What does it mean to will? If he's going to do both these things, it's important for us to know what they are. That he will work in you both to will. What does it mean to will? To desire. To desire. Right. You write out a will, you write down your desires. I choose to give this to this person, I choose to give this to this person, I choose to give... You're making choices. Your choices, your will, your desires. He will give us the desires. He will give us the right choices. He will give us the, the right thoughts. He'll give us the right motives. He who works in you will do both that, and then he will give you the power to do it. So not just us wanting to do good, but not having the power to do it. Trying harder and harder and harder. No. He does both sides. He gives us the right desires, and then he gives us the power to fill them out. Right, so some people, really all humanity, are either just trying to do it in their own strength, and struggling and struggling and struggling. Do better. Maybe in the next life, maybe I'll come back as something else and reincarnate something else and I'll do better next time. And trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Or just saying, well, it doesn't really matter. Just do away with the law and he just forgives us and we're just stuck in this. This is how I am. We're just going to stuck this way. We're just going to be sinners. We're just going to continue sinning. But hey, he forgives us. No, it's both will and do. Gives us a desire and then follows it through and lives out of us. 
There's a struggle. There's a constant struggle because Satan is constantly tempting us. So there's a constant struggle still going on. That flesh is still always wanting to come back to life. That's why Paul says, die daily. Accept by faith our death in Messiah every day. At every temptation. Every time that Satan comes and tries to get us to do wrong. Not me, I'm dead. Leave me alone. <coughs> Accepting by faith. So the struggle will go on. That Romans 7 experience, not wanting to, struggling, but then God gives us the victory. Romans 8. Who will deliver me from this bondage of death? Praise God. Yeshua the Messiah. <coughs> so then we can have his very mind. Let this mind, Yeshua's mind, his desires, his thoughts, be in us and live through us. So why do weeds grow easier than food? Because we're still on a fallen planet. The curse is still on this earth. And God is going to do to this earth exactly as he does to us. He's going to have to destroy it. Burn it all up in order to make it new. And that's why it's already done that in us. So why is it easier to sin than to be good? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be anymore. Yes, that's how we're born, and our natural nature is that way, but when we're born anew, we have a new nature. All things have become new. We're new creatures, partaking of the divine nature, allowing Messiah to live in us and living a new life through us. And thus he gets all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. If we accept our death in Messiah, it can't be insecure. It can't be hurt. It can't be poor me. There's no need to prove yourself if it's the Messiah doing it in you. He gets the glory. It's him doing it, not me. If we really believe by faith we're dead, and we really believe by faith the Messiah is living in us, people can compliment you, and you can literally and honestly say, praise God, because it's not me, it's him. Oh, you did a great job of changing that light bulb. Well, praise God, I couldn't even change the light bulb. Can't do anything without him. Can do everything with him. Amen. And that is the balance. And that is the beauty. So while weeds may continue to grow on this earth and will until God destroys this earth and makes a new heavens and new earth, they don't have to grow in you. We are set free from the law of sin. That law has been broken. Law of weeds growing, that's still there. The law of gravity is still there. But the law of sin in our members is done away. If we believe by faith, we're dead in Messiah and alive and new in him and him in us. That's the key. This is really what it means to believe, to believe these things. Because you won't see this by, faith, by logic. You can't see this physically. It's by faith we believe these things. And then they become a reality. We have victory over sin. And that's the reality, by his grace. And no one else in the world offers that, no other religion, no other book offers that other than the Bible. Victory transformed lives. And even a lot of people preaching the Bible don't teach that and believe that. Say, well, you're stuck in sin, that's just how it's going to be. No, no, it doesn't have to be. God will give us victory. And that's what people are longing to see. They're not just looking to see a bunch of people who are just forgiven. They're looking to see a people that have been transformed, that are filled with joy and hope and faith and love and forgiveness and grace and perseverance and strength and courage, kindness and gentleness, consistency. That's the power of the Lord God. And that's what God wants to live out in us, his character in us. And so, as we prepare to pray, if, uh, if you haven't yet accepted the Messiah as your Savior to forgive you and to cleanse you, and to change you and transform you, then a moment when we pray, I invite you to ask him into your heart. Accept him as your Lord. Give your sins over to him. Give your life over to him.
Maybe you have done that in the past, but you've fallen back away and you've gone back to serving the devil, back to serving sin, back to serving self, back to serving the pleasures of this flesh, and you want to re-surrender your life to God. In a moment we pray, confess your past, leave it with him, accept his love, accept his forgiveness, accept his death in your behalf, and accept his spirit to give you a new life. Third, if you haven't accepted your death in the Messiah, you've been struggling with sin and you're trying to overcome it in your own life, and there's there's constant battle going on, and you want that battle to end, you just want to accept your death in him. And a moment we pray, say, Lord, give me the faith to believe that I am dead in you, that I've been crucified with you, that the law of sin, this sinful nature, this carnal nature, these carnal cravings are dead. No longer have power over me because I am dead. If you want to do that, in a moment we pray, you can do that. Fourth, if you've already done that, you've accepted your death, but you're not alive, you're just floating along, and you want to be alive. You want the Messiah to come and live inside you. You want the Holy Spirit to come and give you life and give you joy and give you happiness and give you victory in your life. And give you love for other people and love for the lost and love for even your enemies, for God to do miraculous things in you. In a moment we pray, invite his Spirit into your life. Invite the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life and transform you and change you. Now again, first we had to accept our death. Do that first and then accept, accept the Spirit into your life to live in you and out of you. Fifth, if you've been taking the hurts and the pains and the rejection and the evil and the sins of other people that have been done to you and you've been taking it personally, stop. And accept yourself as dead in Messiah. And know that they're not doing it to you, they're doing it to God. And so stop getting in the way, stop putting yourself in the middle, and just lay down. And accept your death in Messiah and let him step up and take the pain and take the suffering. Give it over to him and leave it with him. And let Yeshua live in you and through you for his honor and for his glory. If you've been struggling with sin, maybe one sin, maybe there's just some area in your life right now that you're struggling with. Some habit, some idea, some thought, some anger, some re resentment, some hurt, maybe just one area, some area in your life that you're struggling with. Stop struggling and accept your death in Messiah and give it over to him, confess it, leave it with him, and ask for the Holy Spirit to give you power and victory in that area, and make yourself slaves, surrender yourself, Lord, I want to be slaves of righteousness. I give you this flesh, I give you this mind, put your mind in me, make me a slave of righteousness, make me alive in righteousness, live out your righteousness in me, live out your glory in this flesh. And if you want to just praise him, if you want to thank him that he loved us while we were his enemies, while we had enmity against him, while we were killers of him, if you want to thank him that he left heaven to come here to experience you, to take you into himself, and to let you kill him, if you want to thank God for raising him from the dead, if you want to thank him for sending forth his spirit to give you a new life, here and now, that we can be victorious here and now, that we don't have to experience the pains of this earth. There were martyrs who died being burned at the stake, singing, praising God. How could they do that if they were alive? In the flesh, no, they were dead in the Messiah, even before they killed him, and singing the praises of God. God can do that in our lives as well. If you want to thank him for the Holy Spirit, thank him for living in you, 
and doing his work in you. In a moment we pray, you can do that as well. So if any of those areas apply to you, and maybe some other area God's speaking to your heart and mind, let us pray and let God do his work. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name and we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We thank you for dying for us and we thank you for taking us into yourself. We want to accept by faith that we were in you. Thank you for crucifying this flesh. Thank you for crucifying me. Thank you for killing me. Thank you for killing me with the habits and the tendencies and the evil desires. Thank you for destroying it. Thank you for burying it in the tomb. I choose to leave it there by your, pay, by your grace. Holy Spirit, come and live in us. And live out of us. Make us victorious. Live in us and through us. And may the world see you in us. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.